All right. So we're continuing this series in 1 John. And I know Bob was here preaching last Sunday. And, and so I'm going to finish out chapter 2. It's a little bit of verses, but I think we're going to get through it pretty quick. Verse 18 through 29 is where we're going to be in finishing up 1 John uh, chapter 2. I really enjoyed this study in 1 John. I pray that you are as well. So as I was reading this, um, I began to have this idea that John, he is elderly at this point, 100 years old, somewhere around there, and I get this idea of like my grandpa, right? Anyone had a grandparent that tells stories, right? It's kind of like that. It's, he'll start in one thought, and he'll move on to something else, and then he'll come back to that original thought, and that's what I was thinking of when I was reading this section of First John, of like my grandpa was telling me a story, and it's something that we've probably heard over and over again, but we need to continue to hear it. And I think the problems of our world probably could be solved if we had more grandparents, right? Just They just speak truth. They don't care. They're old. They don't care what people say. They just say it as it is, right? Anyone have any grandparents like that? They just, oh, yeah, we have some grandparents like that. I think if we had more of that, it might solve some of the problems that we have in this world. But I, again, I see John as that person that, that grandparents who has lived it, right? They've lived it, so you really want to hear what they have to say. And usually it's something very simple, something very profound, and something that we've heard before in the past. And I believe what you're going to hear here are those things. J.R.R. Tolkien, speaking of stories, um, anyone Lord of the Rings? You've seen the new Lord of the Rings out that's on Amazon Prime? If you haven't yet, if you're a Lord of the Rings, it seems to be pretty good from what I've seen. Now, if there's any bad scenes later, don't blame me. But right now, it seems pretty clean. But it's really good. Cinematics are, are amazing. But J.R.R. Tolkien, he said, stories or fairy tales are never going to go away. Because there's something within us that desires certain things about fairy tales. One, we're separated from this world that we live in. Two, it's about eternal life or a better life. Three, is we get to interact with characters that are not of this world. The other aspect of fairy tales is that we get to experience true love that never leaves. There's a hero that overcomes evil. And because of that, and something inherently within us, that fairy tales will always be a thing. It's this deep desire, something within us. And I believe in this world that we live in that we need to have a different outlook and to look at heavenly things, things that are beyond this world. I think a lot of times we get drawn into the allure of the world. 
Bob preached last week about not loving the world. And I think a lot of times we begin to focus on the things of the world and forget about those things that our grandpa would tell us. I've lived a long time. Here are the stories to remind you of the simple things. Now, 1 John is speaking, right? Inspired by, by God. It's, it's God's inspired holy word. But John, I think, is taking it from that perspective as an elderly person. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, 1 John chapter 2. Hang with me. I'm going to read 18 through 29, and we're going to circle back. If you have your Bibles, take those out. If not, we have it up on the screen. It says children, right? Like a grandpa. Children, family. And what I want you to do is hear this coming from John, someone who, who walked with Jesus, who's 100 years old, who's lived a life that we couldn't imagine, and he's talking specifically to you as children of God. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as this has been taught, you abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that's Jesus, so that when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Let's, let's go to Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, I, I pray that your word is penetrating our heart. Lord, I pray that you are speaking through my weakness into the hearts of everyone that's here. Lord, that you would remind us of truth the simple truth of the gospel and what we have been known what we have known since you revealed it to us that we have been anointed that we are children of God so lord i pray that you would speak through your word and all god's people said amen i'm not a three point kind of person but i see some benefit in it from time to time um, so i see three points here in 1 john 2:18 the first one is don't love the world Second one is watch out for the bad guys. And the third one is remember 
your past. Don't love the world. Again, Bob preached on that last Sunday in chapter 2. Don't love the world. And you may say, well, what's the big deal about loving the world? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. We read that in the Bible. But here the word world is different. You see, God so loved the world, the people. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son. That he loved every single person that's ever stepped foot on this world. That he would send his son. It's always about the people. People created in God's image. Every person that you meet is created in God's image and has value and worth so much that God would send his only begotten son. But Jesus says, and the Bible says, don't be consumed by this world. That is the corrupt systems of this world that that man has created. The, The lust for power, for money, for all of these things that the world entices us to focus on. The Bible says, don't be drawn to that. Don't be drawn, in Luke chapter 12, it says, don't be drawn to what you will eat and how you will be clothed. The Bible says that if you seek the kingdom of God first, that God will provide all of those things to put God in his kingdom first. So don't, number one, don't love the world. Number two, watch out for the bad guys. I'm going to read verse 18 again. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming, so that many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. The last hour means that since Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection, it has always been the last hour. It is the last hour then. It was the last hour then, and it is the last hour now that Jesus can return in any moment, like a thief in the night, the Bible says. To always be watching, always be prepared for the second coming of Jesus. And John lived every day of his life that way, in anticipation of Christ's return. That should be our example, the anticipation of Christ's return. So that is the last hour. The other part of that is the Bible talks about the Antichrist. And you may think, well, first time I've been to church in a long time, and they're already throwing out these weird things about the Antichrist and all of these things. You may have heard about the Antichrist. You may have heard about the man of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians. You may have heard about the tribulation. Today is probably not the day that we're going to get deep into these types of things, but I do want to lay out, just so you have some basic understandings, and I'll point you to some references within the Bible. Daniel, First and Second Thessalonians, Revelation, a lot of those things talk about the second coming of Jesus. Now, nobody knows the, the time or the hour, only the Father uh, knows that. For me, personally, I'm a pre-tribulation guy. And what that means is that um, when the Antichrist, the big A Antichrist, uh, comes into power, I believe that Jesus, as the Bible says, will meet him in the clouds. I believe that the church will be raptured, that we will no longer be 
on this earth when the big A Antichrist is in power uh, for seven years. That is my personal belief. Now there's the pre-trib, the mid-trib, and the post-tribulation about how long the church will be during the reign of the Antichrist. I would encourage you, I could provide you some resources to learn about uh, those things. But that is the big A Antichrist who comes into power throughout the whole world. A time period we don't know. It could be tomorrow or it could be into the near future. But here he's talking about the little a Antichrist in addition to that in the text. And the little a Antichrist for today means that anyone who does not believe in Jesus or anyone who is against Jesus or anyone who is opposed to Jesus, that is the Antichrist, the anti-Jesus. Anyone or any system, any company, any organization that denies that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus and God the Father are one, anyone who denies that, the Bible says that they are the little a Antichrist today. The Greek for anti means opposite of or instead of. The opposite of or instead of. When we think about the Antichrist or Antichrist today, we usually think opposite of. Very evil, somebody with horns, whatever it may be, right? The opposite of. But it could be instead of. Instead of Christ. And when we think about instead of, it could be someone who is charming, who is a winner, who is a smooth talker, someone with lots of power on earth. Jesus was the, the most, he put himself below everyone else. He, was, he served everyone. He had nowhere to lay his head. So instead of could be charming, rich, winner, smooth talker could be the opposite of Jesus. So is the Antichrist a person or a political system? I believe it's both. That the Antichrist would be in charge of a political system. Or a political system or any type of system could be anti-Christ. And most of us here would never dream of following the Antichrist, capital A, But I wonder if we would follow a little a antichrist today, a system or a person that denies Christ, that decries, that says Christ did not exist, that he did not come in the flesh, that him and the Father are not one, that he was not the Messiah. It seems good, a system or a person seems good, but they oppose Christ. Christ. They're anti-Christ. So I think we have to keep up our guard. Continuing this theme, watching out for the bad guy. The, the bad guy, the anti-Christ, whether it's a system or someone who denies, they, they want to, to deceive us, John is saying Later. It wants us to be deceived. Anyone here ever had uh, bacon wrapped in um, chestnuts? Water, ch- water chestnuts, I should say. 
I always thought water chestnuts were like a seafood. Like I was always, I used to be allergic to seafood and I outgrew it. I was like, water chestnuts, that's like seafood, but it's really not. Not sure exactly where they come from. But at one time, Amanda made an appetizer and she had bacon. She wrapped it in these water chestnuts, put it in the oven, like some brown sugar or something like that. I mean, it's amazing. Anyone want to bring those for life group tonight? Anyone? Any volunteers? It'll change your life, I'm telling you. But I have this idea that those are good for you, right? Because water chestnut, basically a vegetable, right? But I have this idea that it's good for you. But I believe that a lot of times a lie is a lie wrapped in truth. And I believe a lot of times this world tries to deceive us that it's truth, but it's wrapped in a lie, and we believe it to be true. So I believe here that John is telling us to be careful, to remember what you've known from the beginning. Remember from when you were anointed. To, to recall maybe what someone taught you in Bible study or in Sunday school or what that preacher taught you or what God revealed to you about the gospel to remember that, that you have the truth within you so that you won't be, you had to remember that so you won't be deceived. The best lie is always wrapped in truth. Remember that. The Antichrists want to deceive us, so be on the watch. Verse 19. Before I get into that, I want to say, if the Antichrist stuff is confusing, I would love to, I wish I had more time to, to teach on that, um, but I would love to give you some resources uh, to speak into that a little bit more. But just for this reference, just be reminded that Antichrist means opposed to Jesus, a denier of Christ. Verse 19, let's look at that. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. And the best that I can tell what's happening here in this little section that seems to be a little disjointed from everything else, the best that I can tell was what happened was there was a group of people that had left the church that he was writing to, and they were probably distraught about it. I mean, one of the hardest things to do as a shepherd, Doug could tell you, is when someone leaves, right? And you don't see them again. And as a shepherd's heart, that's a hard thing. So they were probably talking to John like, hey, we're struggling with this. We don't know what happened. And John's basically like, hey, I think outwardly they appeared like they were of you. But I think in the end, they probably were not. And I'm not saying that everyone who leaves is that way. I would never assume anything in anyone's heart or what anyone is thinking. But here specifically, what he is saying is that they were never of you. They were never of you. Probably didn't have genuine faith. They were probably not an actual follower of, of Jesus. And so I think he was just encouraging the church in this instance. Last point, number three. Remember the stories of the past. I'm going to read 20 through 27. We're going to go over 28, and that'll be wrapping it up. Verse 20. 
So stick with me here. What I want you to do is I want you to look for the word anointing and abiding. So verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy, by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son also has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide. There's abide in you. If what you hear from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Here it is again, verse 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing, there it is again, teaches you about everything, and is true, it is no lie, just as it has been taught, taught you, abide in him. All right, so let's unpack that a little bit. Anointing. Anyone here ever think as a Christian, put their faith and trust in Jesus, that you were anointed? Right? You ever thought of that, that like you are anointed? This was kind of, I never heard that before. I studied it, but it was kind of new to me as I was studying it, that we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, have been anointed. And so I think to understand anointing, we have to go to the Old Testament. And in 1 Samuel, Samuel was a prophet in the Old Testament time. Israel wanted a king or wanted kings. And so the first king, which was Saul, was anointed by Samuel. And so we're going to look at that verse here. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head, Saul, and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people, Israel. Now imagine all the people of the Old Testament time who would love to be anointed with oil from a prophet, to be someone with that high of standing in the kingdom of God. First Samuel, if we skip over to chapter 16, the next king is King David. You've probably heard of King David, right? David and Goliath. You've probably heard that before. But here we see in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, Samuel is also anointing the next king, King David. Then Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit, here it is, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from the day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, pouring of the oil on the head was an outward symbol that someone has been anointed for everyone else to see. It's also a symbol that someone has received the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the oriole. It's an outward sign of something that has happened on the inside, right? Sounds a lot like baptism, right? It's an outward expression of something that's happened on the inside. The work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, it's an outward expression of that. 
Here John is using the terminology of that you have been anointed. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are anointed. You've been marked. You've been sealed. And you receive the Holy Spirit within you. Isn't that pretty cool? Just like Saul and just like David. Anointing is also a reminder of what we have experienced, that we have been anointed. Here he's saying, remember what you have been taught. Remember what you have been taught since you're anointed. You were anointed by the anointed one, like Jesus was the anointed one. And you were anointed by him. 2 Corinthians 1, I'm going to read that real quick. Verse 21, and, then, and, and it is God who established us with you in Christ and has, and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The anointed one has anointed you, he has sealed you, he has put the spirit of God within all of us. This is a reminder that John is telling us to be reminded of this. That you know the gospel, that you know the truth of Jesus. Not to be deceived by this world. You have no need to be taught anything other than what you have already been taught about Jesus and the gospel. You already know. You've already been taught to abide in that, to live in that, to rest in that, to be connected to that, to be connected to Jesus and the gospel, to live in that, to rest in that. That is all of the abiding. John's saying over and over, abide, rest, live. Stay connected to what you already know at your time of anointing, little ones, little children. The last part of this, 1 John Chapter 2, verse 28. There's so much more here to unpack. We just don't have time. But I think this is important. And I want to encourage you, if you don't hear anything else today, I want to encourage you to hear this. And I think this is a warning from John. And he says this. He says, Now, little children... Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence, confidence, and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Doesn't say you won't go to heaven. Doesn't say that at all. Our anointing, our, our, that time you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are anointed, you are sealed. You have the Holy Spirit within you. There is nothing that any Antichrist, big or little, can do to take you from our Father. He holds you in His righteous right hand. There is nothing that you can do. But as a loving grandfather, he says, hey, it is the end of time. Jesus could come back any time. I want you to have confidence. I don't want you to shrink back in shame. And I believe what looks like shrinking back in shame are 
Christians who are more concerned about the world than they are the kingdom of God. If we're more concerned about power and wealth and health and what's mine, what I can take, versus how I can serve Jesus, we're going to be shrinking back in shame when Jesus comes. I'm preaching to myself. I heard Rick Warren, he said, I heard people say that those that are too heavenly minded are no good on earth. He said, I disagree with that. Those that are heavenly minded do a lot of good on earth. And I tend to believe that to be true. I heard Tim Keller say about fairy tales. He said, we can miss the very fairy tale right in front of our own, our own face. J.R.R. Tolkien, he said, fairy tales will never die because we have this desire in our heart for something outside of this world. That's the promise of Jesus, eternal life. That's what John said. That the promise, the, the, the sealing that you have, the anointing that you have, that Jesus' promise, the hope that we have is eternal life. That's in our heart. To have fellowship with those outside of this world, are, they're our angels. We, we desire for fellowship fully with God and fully with His creation. That we desire for love that never leaves, that never fails. We will experience in heaven God's, he, He's so loving and so holy, there's no reason for a sun. His light shines and brightens everything. That God's love will never leave, it will never depart. It is fully trustworthy. That the enemy, the Antichrist, will be overcome by a hero. By Jesus, that he will come and get us. He will create a new world, a new system of government that's not corrupted. There will be no sin. There will be no tears. It's a desire of our hearts that we all have for this fairy tale. And if, and if you are here today and you never heard that story, the simple story that we have all heard, that we all abide, that we all remember the truth of the gospel. The story goes like this. God created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and Eve, and the enemy deceived them. They had perfect fellowship, perfect relationship. Everything was great, but the enemy deceived them that they could be like God. And their pride got in the way. And they did what God told them not to do, and they ate of the fruit, and sin entered the world. And the world changed forever. And there was no longer any hope. The relationship between them and God had been broken, and it's been that way from generations on. And there is no hope. Have you ever been there before? No hope in life? You don't know how this thing is going to end. And then Jesus comes through. Jesus loved the world so much that he sent us a hero 
to live the life that we could not live, to overcome the enemy, to take on the sin of the world on the cross. And then he died. And he was buried. And just like a fairy tale, we thought everything was over. There was no hope. And three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death. He set us free from our sin and our bondage. And he ascended to heaven, and he now sits at the right-hand throne of God, interceding for us. The good guy won. The enemy lost. That is the fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale, it's true. It is the desire of all of our hearts. If you've never heard that story before, God says all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. You will be set free. You will be anointed. You will have eternal life. You will have hope. You can set your mind on heavenly things and not earthly things. Those that the thieves don't steal and the moths don't destroy, that don't rust, the things that are eternal, our hearts long for that. Our hearts long for a relationship with God that's broken. God is so holy that He can't be around sin. We can't, but Jesus can, and he did. If you've never come to that place in your life, I would love to talk to you about it more. If you have come to that point in your life, I want to encourage you, as John did, to remember you have the truth within you. Abide in it. Remember it. Remind your kids of it daily. That's why we gather here today to, to be reminded of the simplicity of the gospel. I have to be reminded of the gospel daily. Doug has to be reminded of the gospel daily. We all need to be reminded of the simple truth of the gospel because the enemy does want to deceive us. He wants to distract us by this world who is fleeting. It's like a vapor. It's here today gone tomorrow. Christ is coming. Let us be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth. Thank you for speaking through John and writing it down so we can hear from you, your word. We would be reminded of what we've known from the day of our anointing that we would be reminded that we have the Holy Spirit within us. That we knew truth then and we continue to know truth. And it has set us free. Lord, thank you for fulfilling this need and desire and hope of a fairy tale within our hearts. Thank you that we have eternal life outside of this broken world. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much, loving your heavenly Father so much that you would 
step out of heaven into this world, that you would rescue the people that you love, rescue a people that, who had no hope, who had no way. We needed a hero. Thank you, God, for loving us in a way that never leaves and never forsakes us. Thank you, God, for overcoming the enemy who tries to deceive us. Lord, we ask you today that we are broken, we are prone to wonder, we are like sheep, that, Lord, you would help us through the work of the Holy Spirit within us, not by our power, not by our might, but by the work of the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to abide, to live, to stay focused, to rest in your word, and not to be distracted by the world. Because we have a king who is higher than this world. Help us to set our eyes on you, God. We can't do it without you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.